Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. In this bite-sized edition from episode number 51, Holly Ransom explains how she prepares for rock star interviews. For people like Richard Branson, Barack and Michelle Obama, Condoleezza Rice, Adam Grant, Malcolm Gladwell, and the list goes on and on. Holly literally interviews some of the biggest leaders and the most innovative thought leaders in the world. Holly goes into detail on some of her so-called secrets to getting great interviews how she gets information on her interviewees, but also how on the day things can take a turn and you sometimes just need to throw out the paper in front of you. My nervous system went up when I read this. And just go with instinct and just go with the muscle memory and the experience you have had over years and years. I love this interview with Holly. I think she's a master, a total master in her craft. And it was really nice to sit down and just pull on that thread to understand the process the discipline, the practice, hours and hours of work that goes in to getting a great interview. When I see you interview the people you interview and and those names I mentioned, talk to me, you know you've got a big interview coming up, just a blank hand, but Mm -hmm. what what do you do? What does it look like? Uh, So it starts for me by just absorbing and being curious. So, you know, if they've written books, I'll read their books. If uh, they've been, if they've delivered any really prominent or high profile talks, I'll watch for that. And I'll make notes as I go of things that spark my curiosity. So I'll end up with this list. It might be a quote. It might be an achievement. It might be something that surprised me, whatever it might be. And I'll sort of accumulate that. And then oftentimes, as you know all too well, you know, these conversations are happening in, in a context. So they're for an audience or for a program or part of something like that. And so there's always this piece of understanding my audience as I do that inquiry and then thinking about how those two things marry. So what are the things that this audience need to take away? Where might this conversation be meeting them? Um, what are they going to be interested in? Uh, what are some things that would maybe practically help them apply some of the ideas that might be talked about, those sorts of things? And then that will weave into, like, I always kind of draft, I often call them like territories. Like, I'll come up with territories I want to touch on, and I'll never quite be sure what order the territories will go in. Um, and I certainly make a plan. You know, quite often with interviews of that scale, you have a degree of sign-off that happens beforehand. So there's very clear areas that um, are approved uh, that can or can't be talked about. Do you ever go close to the edges? Well, what, what you hope for is then right before they say to you, you can ask me anything you want, which happened with both Obamas, uh, actually. And so that means two minutes before you're about to start, you've now been given permission to throw the script out. And so that's what you want, but you also need to plan for if you get told you've got someone like that, no script for 60 60 minutes, how you're actually going to use it the way you want to use it. So sometimes you also have like different versions and different versions for how someone shows up. You know, if you've got someone who um, answers in really long answers, typically you've got to be mindful of, okay, I'm ruthlessly prioritizing. If I get four questions out here, what are they going to be? Um, someone like Adam Grant, you mentioned, I've interviewed Adam a bunch of times. I love working with him. He has such a quick answer rate. Like he's got a real economy of words. He's so clear in his thinking and his articulation. You can get through 15 to 20 topics with Adam in the time you'd get through five with someone else. And so being ready for that 
he's unbelievable. And he's just delightful too. And speaking of feedback, like immediately after interviewing him, I'll have an email from him giving me a score out of 10 and what I could do to do better. And he'll be asking me for what's the score I'd give him out of 10 and what would I advise him to do better. And I love that relationship. I think that's a really special piece to have that sort of dynamic where he cares enough to continue to put the work in to improve. Did you ask for that? Because I know he does that with his students and he said the first time it happened, it was brutal when he got the feedback from students. But the last seven years in a row, he's been nominated or voted as the best lecturer. In his university. Best professor. Best yeah, professor. Absolutely. Yeah. So you interviewed him recently. Can you disclose what was some of the feedback he gave you? So it's been good because this is probably the fourth or fifth time I've interviewed him. And so what I can, what was actually really cool was that he said to me, a feedback piece he'd given me the time before was that riff with me more. Like, you know this stuff really well. Don't feel the need to just be the interviewer here. Like, I want you to piggyback and, you know, when you've got stuff you want to add in or challenge or another example, like, join in with me. And so I took up that invitation a couple of times in the most recent interview and he's like, I love that. Like that was really fun new dynamic that we haven't had yet. Like do more of that. Uh, so, you know, getting stuff like that is is really useful. And, and people have different styles too. So it's it also oftentimes you don't get the privilege of meeting these people until you're actually doing the interview or shortly there before. And so part of it is also about how quickly can you build rapport and then how quickly can you work out what level of trust have I got here how's this person going to respond or not respond to a particular line of questioning? Because I remember quite vividly when I interviewed President Obama, he'd just been in India before he came to Australia and an Indian journalist had asked a question that was on the don't ask list. And and the don't ask list for him was really just don't ask about the current administration because like predecessors before him, his view was when you leave the office, you don't come in and take pot shots at the person who's after you. You kind of leave them to do their thing and that's appropriate. And so this journalist had gone there and I just never understand the point of that because all that does is shut down your interview subject. You get absolutely bagel out of them for the rest of the conversation. So to your point around finding a line, that's that delicate dance of like how much trust have we got? How can we build it together over the length of the conversation so we get licensed to go deeper? And then respecting boundaries if I feel like they're coming out at different points too and knowing, okay, that, that's walled off. Let's go in another direction. Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout proof, connection and belonging, that's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills, and leadership and culture. Or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including a morning wake-up, energy breaks, team-building activities, and digital resources to embed learning, to find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com slash keynotes. I have so many questions. Let's go to Adam Grant. That first bit of feedback he gave you about riffing, then gave you permission. You riff last time. He gave you the feedback that worked really mm-hmm. well. Did he give you anything else to work on? Is it a constant evolution with someone like him? Or is he, hey, girl, you've got this now. Well done. Or was there something yeah, else? Yeah, so it's funny because I realized this week that I hadn't given him his feedback. So I've just emailed him this morning to, to give him his feedback. And so I asked him because he'd said nine out of 10 for that conversation and he'd really enjoyed it and all that sort of thing. And he hadn't given me 
notes like he typically does, but that was also in the fleeting moment before he got mobbed by VIPs and all that sort of stuff in the green room afterwards. So I, I'm awaiting those notes and I certainly hope, and he's pretty good. That's what I mean about nuanced feedback. He will be quite specific uh, about what it is that I could have done better. And, and that's the feedback that you want. Like, it's not useful to me to say that was great. It's like, yes, but there's always areas to improve. What wasn't great or what could have been better or could I have made you more comfortable or, you know, a- anything like that. But I'm definitely, I can see, you know, fourth interview that we've done together now, dramatically better than first. So it's been cool to watch the evolution of, of seeing how much more you can get out of someone when you really understand how to work collaboratively with them. Were they filmed and recorded those interviews so you can go back and watch each of them? Mm-hmm. Mm. You say, I never stick to the structure prescript because I don't think they make interesting conversations. I'm happy to agree to themes, but I would never have a list of questions, which I will then follow verbatim. The most important thing I do is being an active listener and then responding to whatever the person has offered me up and taking that in a direction that I think is helpful and useful for my audience. Yeah, that says it all. (laughs) What did you do with Obama's, plural, to build that Mm -hmm. rapport? Because I imagine you don't go on a bushwalk and you know, go down the rapids and have lunch together and you know, text friends, you probably get a few minutes before you go on. What did you do to create that mm-hmm. rapport? Well, I think there's two things. One is often the way that people's managers are and the way that they protect the people they manage is sometimes very different to the way the individual shows up themselves. And, and so it's understanding that you know, they can be different things to begin with. Uh, And so in the briefing, you're always with someone who represents these individuals understandably and and rightly and kind of as a general rule of thumb, they kind of set the rules of the road down. And and I think part of that is is also a little bit of like an early hurdle to jump to. Like, can you respond to that brief? Can you set questions at the level we hope you can set questions to? I mean, certainly I've faced a number of times over my career, whether it's been vocalised directly to me or fed back indirectly, presumptions around she's a young woman, can she really, you know, speak at this level, hold this audience, ask questions of that sort of person, et cetera. I think I'm getting to a point now where some of that's diminishing. Uh, that was certainly present for the the, the early part of of the work uh, history that, I, that I've accumulated. And so there, there's sometimes I think part of it is proving that Oh, that you would, know, I was just going to interject. I, I that find- would fire you up. Holy Ransom, if someone says to you, uh, is she mature enough, experienced enough, uh, older? Like, just screw that. I know that would just be an absolute red rag to a bull for you. Screw you. I'm going to do this. And- yeah. I vividly remember one conversation with an agent. I won't name the client, but it was um, – it was in the the kind of financial industry and it was a, a big event for them. And, and I remember her saying, you know, they want a, a, a briefing call before they book you, which was at the time unusual. I do a bit more of them now because you just find, you know, you, you're trying to work out whether you fit with the client tonally and that sort of stuff. And so that's a bit more common. But at the time that was unusual. And I said, can I ask why? I said, oh, she said, like speaking candidly, I, I think it's because they're not sure that you can speak at that this level of sophistication on this topic anyway she she continued the conversation and said don't you enjoy those moments though where you can see that they're like eating their words i think was her phrase i said no i kind of wish the bar wasn't so low like why is that the presumption that we would approach a young woman with or a young person or whatever lens it was that was leading to that set of assumptions and stereotypes and what have you i think it sort of disappoints me that 
that's where the bar begins. And the idea, it just speaks to, I think, something that's been ingrained in me from, from my grandmother, particularly, that notion that everyone has value and you can learn from everyone has just always been, like, it's always for me on you as the listener to find what's in this for me. I can find everybody interesting because there is interesting about, there's something interesting about everyone. And so that idea that, you know, that's where the bar starts or, you know, and we see it. We see it in how skewed, how lacking in cultural diversity or gender diversity or all sorts of things, different lineups are by virtue of perceptions of experience or capability or whatever it is that's being projected onto some people in a way that others aren't held to the same standards. So it is interesting in that respect. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM Edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.